Let me just uh, say uh, just a couple things about Jensen here before I turn him loose. Turn him loose on you. Um, you know, I remember when I first met you, one of the very first opportunities I had to spend time with Jensen was playing Frisbee golf at Seymour Lake Park. And it was in the dead of winter, and there was snow on the ground, and we still decided to play some Frisbee golf with some, some other guys. And uh, one of the things I noticed about Jensen right away when he gave his heart to the Lord, gave his heart, got right with God, and just really things turned around. He loved to talk about Jesus. He loved to talk about the Word. He asked me a lot of questions about the Bible. And, and I was like, oh, I love this so much because I, I just, I love being around people who are just hungry to know and learn. And right away, I, I'm like, this guy loves the Word. And so I think it was that summer you started doing some work around the parsonage. And uh, every time we had a, he had a break to like take a lunch break, we would talk about what he's studying in the Word. And he just kept saying, I want more. I just want to, I want to get into the Word so much. And, I, and it was just like, for me, it's such a blessing to be around somebody that was so hungry to learn about God. And God took him, he's like, you're going to Bible college. Amen. And so God took him to Grace. Is it Grace Christian University? It is now. It was Grace Bible College Grace when I Christian first started University. So as he's finishing up his four years right now, and he's going to continue studying, I believe you're going to be going for your master's. Um, uh, we talked about him sharing this morning. So I'm excited to have Jensen share this morning to tell you what God is doing in his life and also share a word that's going to kind of fall right into what I just spoke about the word. So Amen. would you welcome Jensen back to Harvestland Church from Bible School? God bless you, brother. Amen. Thank you so much. Father, I just pray a blessing over him this morning. Lord, those, those words that he has, Lord, they're your words. Uh, Lord, and I pray there, there would just be like this easiness and this this moment that we can all just understand the power of the Word of God. And I thank you for this Word that you've planted in His heart to share with us this morning. Lord, I ask that we would receive it and learn it and hear it. Bless Him for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much. Thank you, Wes. Hello, everyone. I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you guys again. Um, this was my first church after I fell in love with Jesus and came into a relationship with God. This was the first church I started attending, so I very much, as I'm away in Grand Rapids, I view you guys as my peoples back here in Clarkston, Michigan. Um, and I constantly reference Pastor Pete because just as he just shared a little bit about, when I first came into a relationship with God, I was, I was working on the parsonage. We were painting together, and there was just so many questions that I had. At the same time, I was working construction with my stepdad, Chris, and on the way to work with him, I'm asking him tons of questions, and I'm asking them both really hard questions, questions that can't just be answered in one or two minutes, but I want like yes or no answers, but they're like super deep answers that they need to give me. Anyways, um, I've always viewed it as a massive blessing of Pastor Pete kind of putting his own life on halt and just pouring everything that he had into me as he saw me just so eagerly with open arms wanting all the knowledge and everything that I could gain. He stepped aside from the busyness of his life and poured everything he had into me. So when I was told that we had to come do an outside sermon in front of a church, uh, Harvestland was the first church that came to my mind. Pastor Pete was the first pastor I reached out to to see if I could come here and speak. And he said yes, and it is just a massive honor and a massive blessing to be here before all of you today. And I hope you feel encouraged from this word that, that is going to soon come. Now, if we could have up the, the first slide, I'm going to first give you guys a little background on who I am because I see a lot of new faces, and when I was attending here, it was three, four years ago. Um, so my name is Jensen Mel. I am 
a senior at Grace Christian University. It was Grace Bible College when I first started attending there. I'm going to graduate in December with my degree in Old Testament. It's actually my degree in Biblical Studies with an emphasis on Old Testament. Um, when I first came into a relationship with God, I started taking in-state classes at in-state Bible College through this church, Harvest Land. Um, a couple of people you know were actually in classes with me. Dean and Darby and Will were all in some in-state classes with me. Um, and that was great. I loved that. But that wasn't enough for me. I really wanted to go full-time back to school. I knew that if I just kept taking classes at the rate at which I was taking classes, I wouldn't get a bachelor's degree till I was like 37. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to hopefully get a bachelor's degree before 30, and that goal will be obtained. Um, so, like I said, I'll be graduating in December with my degree in Old Testament, um, and then I'll be going on for my master's degree at Grand Rapids Theological Seminary in Biblical Exegesis, which is, and I'm focusing on Biblical Linguistics, which is the study of language. Linguistics is the study of language. I've been studying Hebrew for a year and a half, and I've been studying Greek for two and a half years. Studying those languages thoroughly brings the scriptures to life for me, um, and to give you an example, the example I like to use is spirit. So spirit, when I say spirit, you all think of the Holy Spirit. You think of the Spirit of God. But that word in Greek is pneuma, and pneuma means spirit or wind or breath or inner fire. It has all four of those cases as a meaning for pneuma, which is spirit, which is referenced in the New Testament. Now that word referenced in the Old Testament, ruach, also has the same four meanings, Wind, breath, spirit, or inner fire. So to translate that into English, it loses a lot of meaning. But now as I've studied Greek and Hebrew, when I walk outside and the wind touches my face, I think of the Holy Spirit that is within me, the breath that God has placed in my lungs when I woke up each morning. And I am thankful for all of that. And I am constantly reminded of the spirit that is not just within me, it is not just within you, it is between us. It is moving, it is all around us. And so I also, when I started studying Hebrew, I got a job analyzing biblical manuscripts. So the main thing I analyze are Torahs, which are the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis through Deuteronomy, written in Hebrew on animal skin. These scrolls are freaking big. They are like this big when they're all rolled up. If I were to unroll it, it would not fit in the sanctuary. They're over, oh, thank you so much. I'll take that. Thank you so much, Heather. Just in case I get parched. And after big theological drops, I'll take a sip so that you guys can let it sink. <laughs> um, so yeah, I analyze biblical manuscripts. I mainly analyze Torahs, which they're over 100 feet long. I, we couldn't unroll one inside the sanctuary. We'd have to unroll it on the interior around the walls. Um, analyzing one Torah takes me about 40 to 80 hours, so one to two weeks to analyze one full Torah. Um, I also analyze other manuscripts. I've um, analyzed the scroll of Isaiah. I've analyzed the scroll of Joshua. Um, I've analyzed just Genesis, and then I've taken looks at other Greek manuscripts. Now, the team that I work on, it's a team of five. The owner himself, his name is Scott Carroll. He has his doctorate in Koine Greek and Egyptian uh, hieroglyphs, so he doesn't need me when it comes to Greek, um, but that is very much why I got the job, because I was studying Hebrew and Greek, so I got the job as a student. Um, now, when I talk about this team, it's very much like the start of a joke because there's the owner who has his doctorate in Greek and Egyptian hieroglyphs, and he is a Christian. And then there is a Roman Catholic, a Messianic Jew, and myself who analyze manuscripts. So it's very much like, I feel like the start of a joke, a, a Roman Catholic, a Messianic Jew, and a Christian walked into an office. 
and, and it all somehow works out. <laughs> no. Um, but the reason why it works out is because we all have the core understanding that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And that unites us even if we have, you know, we all have the same trunk of the tree for foundational faith. It is the branches that we disagree on. Um, and you may disagree in the branches with other people sitting near you, but that does not, that should not cause division because you are unified in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We aren't even in the message yet. I just, okay. So when I was reflecting upon, you know, the, the message I'm going to speak is called Eating the Word. But before we get into that, I was, I was praying. I said, Lord, I really want to give them something with this knowledge that you've poured into me. With studying the Old Testament now for four years, studying Greek and Hebrew, analyzing manuscripts. And what the answer to that prayer was, Jensen, speak to them about the Shema. Now the Shema is Deuteronomy 6.4. And in my opinion, if you want to go ahead and flip to Deuteronomy 6.4, it is by far the most important verse in the Old Testament. To me, it is the most important verse in the Torah, and it is the heart of the Torah. And when I say Torah, I am referencing Genesis through Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 6.4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. The reason why I called it the Shema, and the reason why I'm referencing it, as the Shema, is Shema is the first word in Hebrew to start Deuteronomy 6.4. It is Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Achad. Shema means hear, listen, obey. It is not just hear my words. It is not just listen to my words. It is hear them, let them sink in, and obey my words, Israel. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Yahweh your God, and it's addressed again. It's Adonai Eloheinu Adonai. Adonai twice. Just to be clear which God we're talking about. God the Father, God of Israel, Achad is one. It is the most important verse in the Old Testament. As I roll through Torahs, it is enlarged in the Torahs. The letters of the Shema are much larger than the, word, than the rest of the words in the Torah. And the Shema stands alone by itself in the Torah. It's very, very important. It grabs your, it grabs your attention as you're going through Deuteronomy. So that was the nugget that I wanted to share with you guys, Deuteronomy 6.4. It is Israel's declaration of monotheism. They finally turn around. They finally decide we are going to serve Yahweh, the God of Israel, alone, for he is one. All these other gods are not real. That is Deuteronomy 6.4. That is the Shema. That is Israel's declaration for monotheism, which is why I say it's the most important verse in the Old Testament. Okay, moving forward. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Okay, so I have, this, I have this message for you. Eating the word. <clears throat> this is pretty much my dissertation on a bachelor's level. Um, this is a commission that I believe we all receive through the Bible, and we are going to dig full-blown into that commission. Now, before we dig into the scriptures, there's a book that I read that I want to talk to you about. If you could flip to the next slide, please. It is called The Heavenly Man by Brother Yoon. This is an autobiography, so Brother Yoon wrote this book with, with the help of an editor to write it in English. Brother Yoon grew up in communist China. And the story starts when he was a young boy. And when he was a young boy, his mother was a Christian, and he lived in this very small um, village in communist China. And everyone knew that Brother Yoon's mother was a Christian. She was, in, she was converted to Christianity like 20 to 25 years ago, by missionaries. Now, she was not given a Bible because they were not allowed to have Bibles in communist China. If she did have one way back in the day, she doesn't have one when the story is taking place. 
Now, her theology was very broken. To give you an example of that, she thought that the Holy Spirit was a dragon. Um, and that just comes from only hearing the gospel message 20 years ago, saying yes, never reading the Bible. It left her with a broken biblical understanding and a broken theology. However, she still confessed love of Jesus, understood that she prayed to Jesus, she prayed to God the Father. So anyway, so her husband is dying. He is deathly ill. This is Brother Yoon's father. He is deathly ill. He is on his deathbed. Everyone, like the word is going out in this little village that Brother Yoon's father is going to die. He'll be dead in, you know, maybe overnight. He might be dead by tomorrow. He might be dead in two days. And Brother Yoon, as a small child, he, he cannot accept the fact that his dad is going to die. So he's talking with his mom. You know, Mom, what, what can we do to, to save dad? And she says, Brother Yoon, she says, Yoon, you just pray. Just pray to Jesus. So he gets down on his knees and he prays to God and he says, God, if you heal my father, I will give you my entire life. I will, I will dedicate my whole life to you and letting people know of your existence if you heal my father. He goes to sleep. Next morning, boom, his father is healed. His father gets up. He is no longer sick. He is not dying. He, then Brother Yoon First thing he does is run around through the village and tell everyone that God just healed his dad because he prayed to God the Father the night before, and he has now been commissioned to give his life over to God. And as he's reflecting upon that, he's, okay, Lord, thank you for healing my father. I'm now going to give you my life. But how? He didn't know how. What, how do I enter into this calling? How do I enter into this oath that I have sworn to God? And he asks his mom. Or he says, Mom... What, what now? And she says, Brother Yoon, you have to read the Bible. He's like, okay, well, how do I get a Bible? We don't have a Bible. You don't have a Bible. We don't have a Bible. And she says, Yoon, you have to pray that the Lord give you a Bible. If you really, really desire a Bible, you pray to God and he will bring you a Bible. So Brother Yoon says, okay. So he prays for an entire month, like very, very earnestly praying. I don't view it as... I'm just going to move forward. Uh, very earnestly praying for a Bible to come. And after a month, he hears that one of the men in this small village used to be a Christian pastor. Okay, so he's like, yes, Lord, you've answered my prayer. This guy, this Christian pastor must have a Bible. This is the answer to my prayer. I've been praying for a month. So he goes, he goes to this allegedly Christian pastor, former Christian pastor's house, and he knocks on the door, and the door opens, and the first thing he says is, hi, I'm Brother Yoon. I heard you were a pastor. Can I have a Bible? And again, this is in communist China. This former pastor just grabs Brother Yoon and like throws him in his house and shuts the door. Like doesn't want anyone to know what this, because he's making a scene here in communist China. And they get in the house and Brother Yoon, you know, he's just kind of been roughed around into the house, but he doesn't care. He's on a mission. He said, I heard you have a Bible and I want a Bible. And the pastor says, yes, I used to be a pastor. Yes, I have a Bible. No, you cannot have my Bible. That is my Bible. I only have one Bible, and it is mine. You cannot have it. And Brother Yoon says, well, what are you talking about? I've been praying for a month, and then I heard that you were a pastor, and you had a Bible. You were a pastor. You should give me your Bible. And the pastor says, no, I will not give you my Bible. This is my Bible. And he said, and then Brother Yoon's like, okay, fine. What, what do I do? And he said, you say you've been, you say, you say you've been praying. Well, you need to pray and fast if you want a Bible. Brother Yoon says, okay. So then he goes home and he prays and fasts now for a month. 
And so he's already prayed for one month. So he prays for a total of two months. In the second half, the last month, he is fasting, very earnestly fasting. Then he has a dream. In this dream, he is walking up a hill, and he is starving. He is starving because he's been fasting for so long. He is starving. He's walking up the hill, and coming down the hill are two men, and one is holding a red bag in their hand. And he walks right up to the, red, he walks right up to the men, and the man opens up the bag. And Brother Yoon looks inside the bag, and he sees bread. And he desires the bread because he's starving, because he's been fasting for so long. He reaches his hand in the bag, and he pulls out a loaf of bread, and he takes a bite of it, and it's hard. And he looks back, and it's a Bible. The bread that he grabbed in the bag, and he took a bite out of it, it's a Bible. And boom, he sits up in his bed. He's woken up from the dream. He is positive that the Lord is giving him a Bible. So the first thing he does is start taking, he's looking through his house for where this Bible is. He's, he's moved the couch, he's taken up the couch cushions. It's not in the house. So he thinks. So he starts pulling up the floorboards to his house. It's not under the floor. He starts taking the drywall off the walls. It's not behind the walls. His dad comes home, and his dad is livid because he's taking up the floor, and he's taking off the walls, and his father thinks he's literally gone insane. Like my son, who prayed to God two months ago for my healing, has literally gone bonkers insane from fasting for this month that he's been doing. And it, it just breaks out in his house. You know, the mom and the dad are fighting, and Brother Yoon's crying while he's still, still pulling off the drywall, and there's a knock on the door. And Brother Yoon first runs over to the door, and he opens the door. There are two men standing there, one holding a red bag. He hands the red bag to Brother Yoon. Brother Yoon grabs the red bag. He looks inside it. It's a Bible. He grabs the Bible, and he's gone. Like, that is it for him. That is the answer to his prayer while his mother and his father are in utter shock of, like, I can't believe he just received a Bible. Brother Yoon's like, yeah, I just thought it was in the wall. Like, thank you. (laughs) He didn't realize it was going to be dropped off. Um, Now, so he gets his Bible. And he can finally say yes to this commission. He can start learning about the Bible. He can start reading the Bible himself. And he can start gaining theology. So the first thing he decides to do is memorize Isaiah. The Old Testament prophetic book pointing to Jesus Christ. He memorizes Isaiah word for word. Then he memorizes Matthew word for word. He's going around. He's preaching in communist China. Of course, that comes with an arrest. He's arrested and he's put in a very large jail cell. Not jail cells like the United States where we might, have, we might be in a jail cell by ourselves or with one other person. But he's in a big room, like a big drunk tank. And he, what he decides to do, he goes to the center of the room and he sits down and he starts reciting. Isaiah followed by Matthew. Starts over. Isaiah Matthew, Isaiah, Matthew. While this is happening, people are coming up to him and they are punching him. They are like stomping him. You know, he's in the middle of this big room. They'll stomp him down and he'll just take it, recover, get back up, just continue in Isaiah or continue in Matthew. All of those that are around him are beginning to get saved. The prisoners are beginning to get saved. The, the um, guards of the, of the jail are beginning to get saved. Now, the reason why I've told you the story and I've given you the background on Brother Yoon is because this is a classic example of not taking the Bible for granted and literally eating the Bible that was given to him to where he had it a part of him to where it was coming out of him. He no longer even needed a Bible in front of him for the word of the Lord to come out of him. 
And I feel like in the United States, we take our Bibles for granted. As a biblical studies major, I have like 11 Bibles in my room, and majority of them are just collecting dust. Uh, there's been a struggle for me as I've, as I've been a biblical studies major. As every class I go to, we are studying the Word. We are reading the Bible every day in class. And that has been a struggle for me to allow the Lord to speak to me personally on my own time outside of class. I'm not studying it in a historical sense. I'm not studying it in a social or cultural sense. I'm reading, I'm reading the Word of God because it's alive and active. And it is God-breathed and it will speak to me. Amen. So before we get into the message, there's a couple of verses I want to highlight. And the first one is 2 Timothy 3.16 through 17. If you'd like to flip there with me, 2 Timothy 3.16 through 17. Again, this is 2 Timothy 3.16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'm going to reread that. All scripture is God-breathed. I'm going to pause there. Let that sink in. All scripture is breathed out by God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All of these subcategories to get better in righteousness. Amazing. Love the Lord. Love, the, love his word. Verse 17, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Also, ladies, don't feel excluded when I just read man of God. That word in Greek is anthropos, which means mankind. It is speaking to all of us. So that men and women may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. <laughs> the second verse I'd like to highlight is Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is living and active. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Let me reread that. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. When people ask me what the Bible is to me, I very much respond with a, a plethora of 2 Timothy 3.16 and Hebrews 4.12. The word, the scripture, the Bible, the word of God is alive and active. It is breathed out by God and it is sharper than any double-edged sword. Any weapon that I could find here on this planet, the Bible is more effective and the Bible is sharper. Amen. Okay, <clears throat> so now we're going to get into this commission, this commission where we are given by God to eat the word of God. And it's first seen in the book of Ezekiel, but I want to give you guys some background as far as what's happening in the book of Ezekiel and who Ezekiel is. Ezekiel is a prophet of the Old Testament. During the time that Ezekiel is preaching and he writes the book of Ezekiel, he is in exile in Babylon. Babylon is a major enemy of Israel and of Judah. And Judah, Israel has already been destroyed. And by that I mean the, the northern half of Israel has already been destroyed. And then the southern half of Israel, Judah, has now been conquered by Babylon. And the Jews have been taken up into Babylon into exile. Slavery, so to speak. Daniel is in 
Babylon as well, being raised in the palace to become a king's advisor. And then we have Ezekiel, who is hanging out with the people. He's chilling beside the Kabar River. And in Ezekiel 1, he is standing beside the Kabar River, and boom, he is taken up into heaven in a vision. Whether he is, you know, in a vision taken up or literally taken up, I don't think that matters for what happens. So Ezekiel 1, he is describing heaven. He is describing the throne of God. He is describing the four living creatures that are flying around the throne of God. And as in Ezekiel 1 and for the majority part of Ezekiel 2. We are now going to pick up in Ezekiel 2, verse 9, and we are going to read through Ezekiel 3, 4. So again, I'm going to start reading in Ezekiel 2, 9. Then I looked, and I saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll, which he unrolled before me. On both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll, then go speak to the house of Israel. Excuse me. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you, and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. He then said to me, Son of man, go now to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. So Ezekiel is very clearly given scripture from God the Father, and he is told to eat it. And he does eat it. And then he is told to go speak that message which he ingests. He makes it a part of him. He is then told to go speak that message to the people. And I want you guys to stop for a second and I want you to think about what happens when you eat something. Let's say you eat a banana. It literally becomes a part of you. And everything that is good about that banana stays inside you. And everything that is bad about that banana leaves your body. The word of God is nothing but good. And if you eat it, none of it will come out. It will just stay in you because it is good. And we are, amen, and we are called to make it a part of ourselves. We are called to eat it, chew on it, swallow it, digest it. And this is done through reading the scriptures, through listening to sermons, through studying the context of the Bible, through correctly interpreting the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. So again, we had Ezekiel. He, he sees the throne of God. He is given scripture to eat. He says, yes, he eats it. It tastes as sweet as honey in his mouth. Amen. And then he is told to go speak to the people. Now, Ezekiel is the first book of the Bible I ever read. I read one chapter a day. So, you know, my first day of reading the Bible, I, Ezekiel, I, read, I read Ezekiel 1, and Ezekiel is taken up into, into heaven. He's receiving his calling. He's receiving his commission from God. And I'm very much relating to this as I read Ezekiel 1. And then I read Ezekiel 2, and he's still describing uh, the, the throne of God. And he's describing heaven. And I'm very much relating to the beauty that I'm finding now in a relationship with God. It is all beautiful. And I'm loving it. And then my third day reading the Bible, I'm going to read Ezekiel 3, 1 through 4 again. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you. Eat this scroll. Then go speak to the house of Israel. So that's Ezekiel 3, verse 1. The first time I read that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me for the very first time through the word of God and said, Jensen, you must eat the Bible. And I knew exactly what that meant. There was no gray area there 
It was not unclear in any type of way. It was crystal clear. I am called to become a biblical scholar. I am called to eat, digest, chew, swallow the word of God. Let it become a part of me and then allow it to overflow out to the people. Amen. Thank you. You're all so engaging. I love it so much. You get me excited. Thank you. Um, So that is why I became a biblical scholar. That is why I'm now about to graduate in December with my degree in Old Testament. And the only reason I'm Old Testament is because I had read the New Testament twice, and I felt like I had a decent understanding of Jesus Christ. So make me an Old Testament major so I can understand the the Bible as a whole. Um, But all the while saying yes to this commission, saying yes to the first words that the Holy Spirit ever spoke to me as far as to eat the word of God and then go speak. Now, however, Ezekiel is not the only prophet that this happens to. I mean, that would be enough, and that would be cool, but it happens more than once. So, and that's Old Testament, too. Ezekiel is an Old Testament book. We're now going to flip to the New Testament. We're going to flip to Revelation 10. And to give you some background as on Revelation, Revelation is written by John, one of the 12 disciples, the beloved disciple, the one who was always hanging on Jesus, the one who was always on Jesus' lap. The one who did not run away during Jesus' crucifixion stayed there. Stayed there and watched the whole crucifixion. John writes the Gospel of John. John writes 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. John writes Revelation. So John, in Revelation, in the beginning of Revelation, Jesus appears to him and addresses very real things, addresses seven churches in Asia Minor. And that is very real. That is happening right then at that time. Um, And then John is taken into heaven, just like Ezekiel. And he is describing heaven. He's describing all the things that he has seen. He is told to write down the things he has seen and the things he has told. Now, and then in Revelation 10, I'm going to start at verse 8. We find an almost identical commission that we found in the book of Ezekiel. So this is Revelation 10, verse 8. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me once more. Go, take the scroll that lies open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and asked him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take it and eat it. It will turn your stomach sour, but in your mouth it will be as sweet as honey. I took the little scroll from the angel's hand and ate it. It tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach turned sour. Then I was told, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, languages, and kings. So the only difference here is that Ezekiel is instantaneously receiving his commission when he is called by God. That is his calling to become a prophet. John has already been a disciple. John has already been sharing the gospel message, which is why he's told to go prophesy again. He's not done yet. Keep talking. Here's more scripture to eat and then go speak more. So it's very cool. We see that commission twice, not just in the Old Testament through, the, through prophet Ezekiel, but we also see it in the New Testament through John. Now I want to dive more into John's writing. There's there are scriptures that I, for the rest of this message, I could have pulled scripture from any of the Gospels, really. But I, I chose to remain in the Gospel of John and in John's writing, since John wrote Revelation. 
Um, and we have the first three Gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, known as the synoptic Gospels. Synoptic means to see the same. They are all very much documenting the same story. Um, a lot of people think that all four Gospels are synoptic, but they're actually not. Um, John, the Gospel of John, stands to be 97% unique to itself, whereas some of the other Gospels are not the case. 97% unique to itself. The Gospel of John is also written roughly 30 years after the other three Gospels, after the Synoptic Gospels. And then the reason why John writes his Gospels, because although we have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there is still lots of division between believers in Jesus Christ. There is still lots of talk about if Jesus is really the Son of God, and there's, there's lots of debates still going on about that. So John writes his apologetics gospel defending the deityism of Christ, which is another reason why I chose to remain just in the gospel of John as we move forward into the words of Jesus Christ. Okay, so let's move on. We are first going to take a look at John 1. If you'll flip to John 1, we're going to read John 1, verses 1 through 3. And then verse 14. And before, before I read them, I want to talk to you about something. So, well, let's read, let's read verse 1 through 3. John 1, verse 1 through 3. In the beginning was the Word. Amen. That was the intro to the last song we just heard. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Let's skip down to verse 14. This is John 1, verse 14. That word that we're talking about in verses 1 through 3, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only. Jesus was the walking incarnate word of God. Every word that came out of Jesus Christ's mouth was authoritative and scriptural. It just all wasn't written down. Otherwise, we would have it in here. And it would be in red, too, hopefully. <laughs> Every word that came out of Jesus Christ's mouth was authoritative. He was literally the incarnate word of God walking around in a man body. So let's see what Jesus has to say about this commission of eating the word of God. So if you will, jump to John 6 for me. I'm going to read John 6, verses 48 through 59. And I just have... Parts of it, I don't have all 11 verses up here. I couldn't fit it all on one slide. But I do have the ones that I really want you to highlight on the PowerPoint here. But if you have a Bible with me, please follow along through 48 all the way through 59. I am the bread of life. Okay, I'm going to pause. I'm going to pause right there. We just did communion. I want you guys to think about communion as we're thinking about this commission. And we are called to eat the word of God. And we just talked about how Jesus is the incarnate word walking on the earth. Everything that came out of his mouth was authoritative and scriptural. Now, if you miss the commission in Ezekiel or in Revelation, Jesus makes it very clear by symbolizing himself as food. Okay? He couldn't be more clear. He says, 
I am the bread of life. Verse 49, your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which many may eat and not die, referencing eternal security. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give us flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. Boldness, like extra boldness. He's in a synagogue. I love it. Jesus makes it very clear that he is the living bread. We are called, we are commissioned to eat him. How do we do that? Through, through eating Chewing, digesting, swallowing the words, the commissions that have come out of his mouth, and the Bible that has been given to us by his Father. And we are able to interpret these scriptures correctly through the Holy Spirit. All three persons of the Trinity are in play here. All three persons of our triune God are in play here as we are being poured into, as we are saying yes to the commission of eating the word of God and making it a part of ourselves. And that should be noticeable. That should be noticeable. You will recognize them by their fruit. As, as you ingest the word of God and as it becomes a part of you, it should be noticeable to those around you. Fruit should be produced from that action of trying. All you have to do is try to apply the Bible to your lives. Guys, we're all broken. We are born in fleshly bodies. We cannot escape that until the rapture, until we, until we move on to the next life. But God asks you to try. He asks you to put forth effort. He sacrificed his own son for you. He paid, he paid for the meal. There's an open chair for you. He just asks you to come into the dinner and just sit down and eat it. And a lot say no. A lot say no, that, that juicy, delicious steak that makes my mouth water is not appealing to me for some reason. But we all have said yes. We all have entered into that wedding feast and sat down at that banquet and gave praise and thanks to God for being able to be in the banquet. And God smiles over each one of you. I don't want you to be convicted and think that you've been doing a terrible job with studying the word of God. No, I want you to be encouraged to leave here and dive into the word more. Because the word of God is breathed out by God and is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword it is your strongest weapon when you face the enemy outside these four walls. Amen. We're now going to move into John 7. Again, just remaining in the Gospel of John. So this is John 7, 37 through 38. John 7, 37 through 38. 
On the last day and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, who those, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. I'm going to reread this. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Jesus doesn't just symbolize himself as food for us to drink. He also symbolizes himself as water for us to drink. We are called and commissioned to hunger and thirst for God, to hunger and thirst for the word of God. Jesus' very first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he starts off with the Beatitudes. And in the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. They will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Amen. Amen. Like, what does that mean to you? Like, if all you, all you have to do is desire it, and you will receive it. It's, it. It is really quite simple. Sometimes when it comes to the Bible or when it comes to theology, we make things so complicated. But this is not. The gospel message is actually super simple. God loves you, and he sacrificed his son for you. Jesus loves you, and he said yes to being sacrificed for you. And you can hear from the word every single day, every morning, right now, if you open it and you read the words on the pages. Because the word of God is alive and active, breathed out by God himself, and sharper than any double-edged sword. Amen. So, who desires to have more hunger and thirst for, the, for God, for righteousness, for the word of God. Yes, amen. Please bow your heads with me. We are going to pray. Father God, I thank you so much for just another wonderful, beautiful day. Lord, I thank you for Sunday, the day in which your son rose from the grave. God, you are good. God, thank you so much for this commission that you have given us to eat your word. Lord, I thank you for preparing the hearts and the minds for everyone who is in this room to receive your message, Lord. I ask that you allow it to become deeply embedded in everyone's hearts and minds. Lord, and as we leave here, I ask that you allow us to meditate on your word and reflect on your word. Lord, increase each one of our desire and passion to dig into and study your word. And as we do that, Lord, help us interpret the scriptures correctly, Lord. Increase our passion, increase our desire. Lord, be with us and speak to us. Lord, I ask that you help us be more righteous today than we were yesterday, Lord. Help us say yes to the call. Help us say yes to the commission and be with us forevermore. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want to leave you all with one thing. If serving God seems undesirable to you, if being a follower of Jesus seems undesirable to you, I want you to choose right now whom or what you will serve. Whether that be money, your spouse, your kids, your job. If it is not God, I want you to choose right now whom or what you will serve. And I want you to think about that for a second. 
Think about the idols in your life and think what is at the top of your list of things that you want to serve. As for me and my house, we are going to be followers of Jesus Christ and we are going to serve the God of Israel, God the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. Yeah. Amen. Jason, you challenged us. I uh, love your passion, but I truly like pat, uh, challenged us. And as I was reminded, as you were talking about the importance of the word in, 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 in the scriptures, and I love your, your connecting the Old Testament to the New Testament. Um, let's stand. When we stand together, we're going to dismiss you out. I know seats are comfortable, but y'all need a stretch. I hear bones popping. <laughs> um, today, March 1st, if you remember last week, I presented a challenge to read the 31 Proverbs over the next 31 days. And that's just a start. But So today, March 1st, I want to challenge you, if you haven't done so, read Proverbs chapter 1, full of wisdom. But connect that. I think as you go, like he was saying, as you eat the Word, you'll get hungry for more. And so you'll say, like, Lord, I want to read the, the 31 Proverbs, but I want to connect maybe the Gospel of John or one of the Gospels or the book of Isaiah. Connect something to that. But begin by reading. So this word um, was perfect. We talked a few times here and there, and, 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 and I knew a general sense of what you're preaching, but today I got the full picture, and it's perfect what he's speaking about, eating the Word, uh, uh, making that a part of your life. Like, I think all the time we're like, what's missing from my life? Why am I struggling? Why can't I grow? Many times I've looked in the mirror and I'm like, I'm not in the Word enough. I mean, I, I might hear the Word on the radio from a preacher. I might hear the Word on a Sunday morning. Or we hear it in some worship songs or class, like you said. But that personal time with the Word, I mean, that's, that's the easiest ticket to grow. And I want to pray over you as Jensen has challenged us with all these things. Uh, and... and, and made it very clear the importance of God's word and, and understanding the meaning, the deeper meaning. Like do a study, like look up, like what is the deeper meaning? What does this mean in Greek or Hebrew? What, what does this translate and how does it affect my life? Let me pray over you as we take this word and now we digest it. Father God, we thank you for this challenge that has been presented to us today as, as believers, Lord God. If we are truly believers, and we are, Lord, let us learn the Word and, and digest it and get to know you in an intimate way. Your Word presents that opportunity for us to know you in a deeper, intimate way. Not just having someone else tell me, not just hearing it, but like knowing it for myself. And Lord, today as we start this this journey of reading the 31 proverbs through the month of march let that just be the appetizer to the full course meal that the word is but let it start and spark something in us i pray the word today that jensen spoke lord and i thank you for giving him that word for us let it lord spark something in all of us as leaders as men women as students lord god to see the importance of having the Word in our lives on a daily basis. We thank you for this Word. Lord, I pray over Jensen. Lord, now I'll, personally as he finishes up this season of study, of preparing for, 
for greater things, God. We pray over him. Greater things are yet to come for this young man. He's not a young man anymore. He's a man of God. Lord, I pray that he would, Lord, uh, be able to to translate and and uh, give people, Lord, a deeper understanding, like uh, uh, being able to to relate the word of God as he uh, does his eschatological studies, Lord God. Bless him and everything he does. Lord, but all of us in this room today, I pray we'd walk out of this place today refreshed and renewed. How many of us today just say, I feel renewed and refreshed in my spirit? I mean, through the worship, through the testimony, communion. I mean, we, we, like, we literally just had communion together. With the great, like, we experienced something that's so amazing that God uh, gave us through his son and, and through the word that Jensen brought. Thank you, brother. Amen. Let's thank him. I know he's been studying, coming over here on the east side of the state, on the east side. Lord, bless your people, your church today as we go from this place and we digest the word. And Lord, the word of God, as we digest it, Lord, it will just come out in our in our experiences with others. Bless your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful day. It is beautiful out for this time of year. Enjoy it. Give God thanks in it, and we will see you soon. God bless you. Thank you, Jensen. God bless you.